0: World was in some sense unknowable, that the Garden of Eden hadn't existed. Given the tomato's similarity to an existing plant, Nightshade, it could have escaped the controversy. However, bits of Galen's writings referred to plants or animals whose identities had never been nailed down, and American arrivals seemed like candidates to fill the gaps. One such mystery plant was the Wolf Persita, which translates to Wolf something, maybe Wolf banisher. It transliterates to Lycopersian, but during the Age of Exploration was mistranscribed as Lycopersicon, wolf peach. Galen describes it as a poisonous Egyptian plant with strong-smelling yellow juice and a ribbed celery-like stalk. At least as early as 1561, Italian and Spanish botanists, no doubt aware of witch finders' werewolf suspicions, were kicking around the idea that the wolf peach and the tomato could be one and the same. This classification was controversial. Not only was the tomato far from poisonous, but as naturalist Constanzo Felici observed in 1569, it couldn't have come from ancient Egypt and Peru. As seed traders waited for the vernacular to establish itself, their manifests might list tomatoes as golden apples, Peruvian apples, love apples, wolf peaches, and more. The debate was eventually settled by Joseph Piton de Tournefort, Louis XIV's botanist who accepted the tomato's werewolfish Lysopersicum name in his hugely influential three-volume 1694 *Elements du Botanique. Surely you've noticed that lycopene sounds an awful lot like lycanthropy. He went so far as to call the tomato the lycopersicum rubro non striato, the red wolf's peach without ribs. The name stuck. Tunifor's treatise was definitive, and his definition dovetailed with existing beliefs, especially in England where physicians had dismissed the tomato as unworkable. According to James I, apothecary John Parkinson, though tomatoes could cool and quench the heat and thirst of the hot stomachs in places like Spain, Italy, and the Caribbean, England was already clammy enough. Eat tomatoes in a cool, rainy climate, and you'd find yourself on the wrong side of the medieval equivalent of feed a fever, starve a cold. English barber-surgeon John Gerard had gone so far as to say tomatoes were corrupt in his 1597 General History of Plants, Rank and stinking, he clarified, in case a reader was tempted by the Spanish and Italian recipes he included, fried with salt and pepper or eaten raw with vinegar. Much of the English population agreed, as did their descendants in what would become New England. Tomatoes were pretty, but gross, and just maybe satanic, even according to scientists. Adventurous eaters like Thomas Jefferson were welcome to partake, but the rest of us were better off not risking our stomachs. A contingent of English emigrants in America rejected tomatoes all the way up to 1860, when the U.S. Civil War finally mainstreamed tomato eating, an aversion that gave rise to the medical shorthand The Tomato Effect, a description of effective therapies avoided for cultural reasons. That's not quite the same as a culture-wide belief that tomatoes were poisonous, which probably never occurred. Andrew Smith, author of The Tomato in America, could only locate three references to tomato deadliness in his survey of pre-1860 American literature, and in all of them, the authors insisted they themselves weren't afraid. The most prolific American anti-tomato lecturer was a Harvard-trained doctor named D.O. Lewis, who spent the 1850s blaming tomatoes for everything from bleeding gums to hemorrhoids because, he argued, tomatoes' medicinal powers were so strong it was easy to overdose. For the most part, people who didn't eat tomatoes just didn't like them, in the same way most of us don't make dandelions and ants a staple of our diets. But it's hard for facts to get in the way of a well-established superstition. One contemporary urban legend ties the tomato to a rash of lead poisoning, acidic tomatoes leaching the lead out of pewter dinnerware to drive 16th-century aristocrats mad. But tomatoes weren't acid enough, pewter dishes were never common enough, and lead poisoning accumulates too slowly to be linked to a specific meal. In another frequently repeated tale, debunked by Joan R. Callahan in Fifty Health Scares That Fizzled, Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson astonished a crowd in Salem, New Jersey, with his brave ability to eat a basket of tomatoes and live. There's even a fabricated story that George Washington's chef tried to poison him with tomatoes. More recently, when NASA distributed tomato seeds that had been to orbit, The L.A. Times freaked out about imagined potential for poisonous mutations, and the panic went international. When NASA did the same with Basil, nobody cared. A Lawyer